0: Let me invite you to open your Bibles to John chapter 15, as we started last week through this seven-week journey that we're going to just settle into these verses that uh, really is a metaphor, it's a story. It's a word picture that Jesus used to communicate some powerful truth that is so applicable to those of us who are living in 2020. If you have your Bible open, say, "It's open,", it's open. you can commence reading. All right, I'm going to wait a little bit because there's a few people that are still getting there. Teenagers down the front row are setting the pace. I see one, two, three, four, five. Skip you six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12. open Bibles on the front row for 13 kids, and he's got his phone open now, so we're all good to go. Are you ready for me to read it? Here we go. John 15, beginning in verse one, "I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Do you see the characters in this drama? Jesus is playing the role of a vine. Father God is playing the role of a vine dresser, a gardener, a horticulturist. Uh, And verse 2 says, "...every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit." Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Now, don't miss the significance of what Jesus has just done. Jesus has said, in this story, I'm the vine. In this story, Father God is the vine dresser. Who are you? You're the branches. Do you realize Jesus just called you a stick? Lest you think too highly of yourself in this story, you're a stick. You're a straw so that the life of God can pass from the vine through the stick to produce. Fruit. So everybody say, I'm a stick. stick. You're a stick. Jesus called you a stick. He says, whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse six, if anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers sadly, and the branches are gathered sadly, and thrown into the fire sadly, and burned sadly. Verse 7, If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father Is glorified that you stick bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples Jesus has given this given us this story to prove who the true disciples are and as we learned last week we've been invited As his disciples to abide and we unpacked that word we learned some things how we're uh, invited into this relationship with jesus if you remember last week we said that abide means that we remain remember the context of the story judas one of the phony fake disciples has left and jesus is looking at the remaining 12 and say don't you go anywhere You stay put, stay attached to me, stay connected, stay tethered, anchored to the vine. So abide means remain, abide also means unite. This is a wonderful picture of the doctrine of the union with Christ. Two parts of that. Christ lives in me, a true disciple, and I live in Christ. And so abide means unite. And abide means to dwell. Abiding is not passive. Abiding is actively settling in. Settling down. Nesting. Making yourself at home in your relationship with Christ, And so that's what it means to abide. Now, I have two groups of people on my heart here today as I think about our particular church. And those of you that are checking out our church, welcome, so glad you're here. But I, I'm burdened for two particular groups. First of all, this passage of Scripture, the reason why we chose this passage at this particular time in 2020 is because if, if you're abiding in Christ, you should be encouraged in the midst of the pain that is 2020. I mean, think about it. COVID has assaulted our illusion of having perfect health. It's threatened our jobs and economy. COVID has eliminated a lot of things that make us so busy. COVID has limited our freedoms to live however we want to live. COVID has revealed that we don't have as much control as we think. We don't even have control over our kids' safety and their health. And that's what 2020 has brought to us. But if you are abiding in Christ, there is a peace There is a joy in knowing that God doesn't waste anything. There is a purpose for our pain. And because God is in control and I am not, I can know that God will use all of it to grow my relationship. As a matter of fact, I'm looking at people. Your Christian growth, your spiritual growth, has been accelerated through 2020 because God has stripped away all of the other dependencies and all of the other things that we have been abiding in up until this point. And so be encouraged. If you are abiding in Christ, there is a purpose for the pain. But I'm I'm concerned about another group of people that I'm not quite sure get it. And you, you may be in Christ, but you, you may have misinterpreted what God is doing in the pain of this particular season. I mean, consider how we pray. Do you know so often we pray and ask God to remove the painful things That he is actually using in our lives so that we will settle down, abide, unite, remain, and dwell attached to Christ. Do you understand that 2020 is a year of pruning? In case you were wondering, what is happening? God is pruning us. God is pruning our church. God is pruning our nation. God, maybe even pr- pr- uh, pruning your family or your own individual life. He's trying to communicate to us that life is about more than maintaining good health, life is about more than defending our precious freedoms. Life is about more than our careers. It is about more than our children's education. It is about more than entertainment and sports. Life isn't about even your children. Life is about abiding in Jesus. What if, what if 2020 was all about God loving us so much that he sent a global pandemic to prune us For our growth and His glory. When God prunes us, the point is not to pray and ask God to grow back all the things He's cut off. We need to understand His purposes, and His purposes are often about pruning. And the pruning is often about pain. But God has a purpose for our pain. We need to understand the analogy here. Now, we've already discovered Jesus is the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. You're a branch. But there's two types of branches mentioned in this story. There are branches that look like these. Here's a good branch. Here's a good branch. This branch... Now, by the way, the analogy breaks down when you have to bring it into the church because it's no longer connected to the vine because we couldn't bring the whole vineyard into the church for the illustration, okay? So I have a particular vine, just pretend that it's attached to the... I have a branch that that should be attached to the vine. The reason we know it was attached to the the vine 24 (laughs) hours ago is because what do we see here? What do we see, teenagers? What are these? These are grapes, and, and this is a general category called Fruit, very good. We have fruit here. Doesn't this look delectable? How many would you like to have a grape right now? Here, you take a grape. Okay, that's good. I wouldn't eat that because it's a little sour probably. And it's the end of the season. These are not great. This is not a great time to be a grape. But this is what you are supposed to look like as a Christian. You're a stick. But on the other end of the stick is fruit, which represents life and growth. If there is life in the branch, it will inevitably produce fruit on the other side. Whatever is on the inside comes out. Understand the analogy. Spiritual birth, being born again in Jesus Christ, produces spiritual life. Spiritual life produces spiritual, what was that word? Fruit. The question is Do you have any fruit on the end of your stick? There's two kinds of branches. This is what we all should be. But you know the sad reality is? A lot of us, sadly, are this. You are a branch that is bearing no fruit. And Jesus tells us the sad end of branches that bear no fruit. What happens to them? They are cut off. They are gathered together and they are burned. It's a picture of hell. It's a picture of eternal judgment. Now listen, if you die in this condition, it's not going to go great for you on judgment day. And what Jesus is saying, remember the analogy, he's actually preaching a sermon about Psalm chapter 80. The the vine in the Old Testament was thought of as Israel. Jesus says, no, I am the true vine. You can be connected to Israel. You can be born into a religious family, a religious community. But unless you attach, unless you unite, unless you abide in Jesus... You will never bear the fruit and you will sadly end up disconnected from God forever. So four bushels up here, they represent four kinds of people in this room. Here's the first one. What do we have on the inside? Nothing, no fruit. Now now listen, some of you last week, when I introduced this concept, some of you got a, got a little tripped up a little bit because... The analogy, remember it's a metaphor. It's, it, a metaphor is not intended to teach fine points of doctrine. If you want to see fine points of doctrine, you need to go over to the book of Romans and dive deep into that about our union with Christ. But some of you get a little tripped up. It's like, well, you know, can you be attached to the vine and then not attached to the vine? Can you bear fruit and then not bear fruit? Listen, I want you to understand what I said last week. This is what I said. I said, what did I say? That's what I said. Our union with Christ is not dependent upon our ability to remain faithful. Our union with Christ is dependent upon Christ's ability to remain faithful. We believe in the doctrine of eternal security based on God's election, based on God's justification, based on the reversal of the curse that we have been united with Christ and as we are united with Christ, we are secure in Christ and we will inevitably produce fruit. But understand, if you produce no fruit, if you have no life, it's because there has been no birth and there's been no union with Christ. So if you're in this bucket, this church exists, this service exists, this sermon exists to get you out of this bucket and into this bucket. Now, here, here's, here's a few of you um, we have three grapes. Um, There's fruit, but it's not real healthy. And it's been a long time since we've seen a grape. Um, You have to look really hard under a bunch of stuff to find. There's life, but there needs to be growth. Now, if you're in this bucket you need to be in a small group. You need to be in your Bible. You need to be reading it hundred days for the last hundred days. Um, you need to be in prayer. You need to come and probably confess some sin. You probably need to talk to a pastor. Um, we need to accelerate your growth, okay? So, I'm so glad that some of you are here, but I would rather you be here. Look at what we have here. We, we, have, we have some fruit. And this is growing. As a, in, in, in this analogy, Jesus mentioned all four of these buckets. There are those that bear no fruit, and the branches are cut off. Then he says there are some that bear some fruit, but then there are some that bear much fruit. They've grown in Christ. And then finally, he mentions this. These are my favorite people in church. They send me encouraging emails, not mean emails. They're in those buckets, okay? These people, they actually enjoy worship. They actually love to pray. They pray about things that do not relate to God removing all the painful circumstances in their life. They understand that God is not, that the gospel is not about prosperity. God doesn't exist to make me happy. God doesn't exist to glorify me. I exist to glorify him. And the way that I glorify him is through fruit bearing. I understand that pain is an inevitable part of life. How many of you, please, everybody, please raise your hand. How many of you want to look like this in your Christian life? Everybody raise your hand. You got a Keep your hand in the air. Do you know? How many of you want to be pruned? Keep your hand in the air. Oh, hands going down, hands going... All right, here's the deal. If you put your hand down, you're never gonna to get to this bucket. The only way to bear much fruit is by going through the process that Jesus described as pruning. So that's what we're gonna talk about. See, not only have I been invited to abide, I am pruned to produce. God is going to prune me because God is concerned about my growth and his glory. So I want you to understand, pruning is essential for growth. It is not optional. This is not for superhuman Christians and like an elite class pruning is for every Christian because he wants us to grow. Good gardeners know this. Good gardeners know that pruning is the best thing that you can do to stimulate growth. It's more important than sunlight. It's more important than water. It's more important than fertilizer. A vine dresser's job is to bring out the very best in the vine. It's to maximize the vine's potential. It's to develop it. It's to remove any hindrance to growth, to to disentangle and eliminate anything that might be choking out life. So what does God do like a good gardener to the branches on the vine? He attacks it with a knife. Does that feel like some of what you've been going through in 2020? Does it feel like some things have been eliminated and cut off? Understand, God loves us so much, he examines us to see what is hindering our present and future fruitfulness. God will remove anything and everything that gets in the way of my growth. He knows that other vines can become artificial sources of life. And he invites me. He says, I am your life. I am your true vine. Um, Andrea and I, we, we are not gardeners. We don't grow anything that you can eat or that's edible or anything. But we like flowers and things. And we have things around the house. We have, we have a, a big lilac tree in, in the backyard. And this thing grows like crazy. And uh, Andrea sometimes will get out there and she'll take some scissors to the lilac tree. And she'll work for three or four hours out there and and trim the thing back. And she'll step back from it. And it doesn't look a whole lot different than it did before she attacked it. And she says, I think I need some help. So I go out to the garage and, and get, you know, the big Sears industrial clipper things and go and attack this thing. And in five minutes, there's not much left of this tree. It's just been hacked to death. It's ugly. There's trash everywhere. And yet, what happens next season? It grows back more beautiful than it was before it was pruned. And that's what God so often does in our lives. He eliminates sucker shoots. Do you know what a sucker shoot is? It's like a branch that grows off. It's kind of this alternate route of the growth of the tree. And it's actually sucking off life from the thing that actually produces fruit. And God wants to get get all of that out of our lives. God, like a gardener, looks like he's attacking the tree, but he's actually pruning it. It doesn't appear to be loving. It doesn't look like it is that beautiful. It looks like a disaster. You may look like a disaster while God's pruning you. Things may be all over the ground, things that used to produce life. But God, like a skilled gardener, does not ever cut off anything that would be gain to you. He only cuts off that which is restricting life. To the untrained eye, if you look at the vineyard right after the pruning, you might think that someone meant harm. You would see a lot of growth on the ground and not much left on the vine. But the trained eye knows that the one who pruned it doesn't waste anything. He doesn't intend to destroy. He intends to develop us. God will use his knife to cut back every true disciple so that they can bear even more fruit He will not allow me to be attached to anything that is hindering my growth and my fruitfulness. No matter how attached I may be, no matter how much I love the attachment, no matter how painful it is to part with, God, the loving vine dresser, will remove it if it's hindering my growth. This is the difference between understanding short-term pain and long-term pain. If you're a parent, you know about this. You, you, you know how to prune a child, right? There, there are times that we have to bring short-term pain into our children's life because we are more concerned about their long-term growth. That's what a parent does with a child. It's what a coach does with an athlete. I'm not an athlete, but I go to the gym. I've got a, a lady that helps me, helps me, helps me grow physically. And every now and then I'm over there lifting some weight or whatever. She comes by and she's like, do you need more weight? Nope, doing just fine. Just doing doing, doing just fine. And she's suggesting here, those muscles are not going to grow by lifting so little weight. Here, let me make things heavier. Let me make things harder for you. Why? Because she is more interested in my growth than she is in my comfort. You understand this on a lower level. And yet, how often do we ask God, God, could you make things a little harder? I wanna grow. God, could you add a little more weight? I wanna grow. And you'll never invite this, but you don't have to, because it's an automatic blessing God gives to every true disciple. Not only does prune, is pruning essential for growth, pruning changes my perspective on pain. The tool that God uses is a knife. It's a sharp piece of metal coming into my life. So what does he allow? He allows difficulty. He allows opposition. He allows trials to bring to the surface things that are sucking life from me. And whether you are abiding in Christ determines how you interpret the pain in this world. If you're abiding in Christ, you can rejoice. Things are harder today. I'm going to grow. I'm going to bear more fruit for the glory of God because it was harder today than it was yesterday. I, I I'm God, anytime you want to... Um, move us to another season of growth and not pruning. I'm fine with that. But if, if the assignment today is pruning, I'm in you. You're attached to me. I didn't sign up for an easy life. I signed up to bring you glory. And if growth brings glory, then growth means pruning. And, and I know so many people that cannot embrace this kind of theology about God. They do not have a theology of suffering that aligns with John 15. They believe that God exists to make them happy, healthy, and wealthy. And if you believe hard enough, you'll never lose anything you want. That is not the God of John 15. That is not the vine dresser. That is not the relationship that we've entered into. But for those of us that understand our union with Christ, if you're abiding in Christ, you know that all the pain comes with the purpose, all for the sake of pruning. God has two purposes for pain, okay? Understand this. If you're going through a season of pain, it's probably for one of two reasons. And I want to distinguish those two here uh, because there is, a, there is a difference between pruning and discipline. I want you to understand that. Notice this, uh, this passage of Scripture in Hebrews chapter 12. Now, before we read this passage, let me, let, me understand, let me help you understand. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 says this, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Do you see the union with Christ? Do you see the branch in the vine? It's talking about our union. If you are in Christ... There is no condemnation, there is no punishment. All of your condemnation, all of your punishment was absorbed by Christ on the cross. You will never pay for one half of any sin you've ever sinned again, that you've ever sinned. All of that was taken upon Christ. If you were to pay for one half of 1% of any sin you've ever committed, you would go straight to hell. All of it was taken upon Jesus. But now what happens when we sin? Because we still sin. Do you still sin? Let me put it another way. Does your wife still sin? Yeah, your children still sin? Yeah, it's, it's easier to sit in them, right? So what happens when they sin? Understand God loves us so much. This is what happens. He says um, in Hebrews chapter 12, have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord. Discipline's painful. Any children in the room remember that? discipline's painful. Short-term pain, long-term growth. Do do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when when, when reproved by Him. You're reproved when you're not thinking correctly, when you're not acting correctly. God comes along, and by His Word, He corrects you. He brings you out of the ditch, back into the lane, when we're reproved by Him. For the Lord disciplines the one He loves. Why does God discipline me? He loves me too much to allow me to rob glory from him and stunt my growth. So, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastens every son whom he receives. How many sons? Everyone. Are you a son? Then you're getting it. And it goes on. It is for discipline that you have to endure. God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? That's a rhetorical question. The answer is supposed to be none. Every son gets disciplined. If you are left without discipline, that's not good. It shows that you, have not that you have not participated in the discipline. Then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Do you know the proof that you're a Christian is the fact that God disciplines you when you sin? If you can get by with sin, I would be very concerned about your salvation because God loves us too much to allow us to get away with that stuff. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers, he uses the earthly analogy here, who disciplined us and we respected them. That's what God wants from us, respect. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live. Do you see the life? What's the result of the discipline? Life. Life on the inside brings life on the outside. For they disciplined us for a short time. Thank God. Thank God for short times of discipline. For a short time as seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. Do you want to grow in holiness? Do you want more fruit of righteousness and holiness in your life? Then thank God for his discipline. So let me show you the the difference between discipline and pruning. And by the way, there's a lot of overlap here. These aren't hard categories. But understand, if you're in Christ, you're not going to receive judgment, condemnation, and punishment. What you are going to receive is discipline. Discipline happens as a response to sin. God's response to sin. Pruning happens because it's a response of abiding. If you're in Christ, he wants you to grow, you're gonna bear more fruit. Discipline happens because I'm doing something wrong and God wants less of it. Less anger, less pride, less disobedience, less racism, less injustice, less hatred, so God disciplines me. Pruning happens because I'm doing something right And God wants more of it. He sees a few grapes on the end. And so do you know what he does? He comes and he prunes away everything that is going to entangle that fruit. So it produces more fruit. And then discipline stops when the sin stops. Short time. Okay, Lord, I'm not disobeying anymore. I got the message. I don't want to learn that lesson again. I'm going to obey. I repent of said sin, and now I am obeying. Discipline stops. But pruning continues for a lifetime because he loves you so much, he wants to produce more holiness, more obedience. Discipline proves I'm God's son. Did you see that in Hebrews chapter 12? Pruning happens, it proves I'm Christ's disciple. Every disciple, every branch is pruned. And then discipline happens because God loves me. Pruning happens because, because God loves me. Doesn't that encourage you that there's a purpose for the pain and the one behind the pain is doing it because he loves you and wants your growth and his glory? We need to understand this. Now listen, pruning proves disciples are living for the glory of God. Please understand the point of the whole passage here, the point of all of the pruning and the point of all of the fruit is not because God wants to glorify me. The purpose is not that someone would come up to you in church and congratulate you on being such a great fruit bearer. You've got so much fruit. No, the purpose is not to glorify you, it's to glorify God. God desires my growth and His glory for His glory. Understand, you won't grow without pruning and you won't endure pruning without abiding and you won't bring much glory to God until God brings much growth out of you. Do you want to glorify God? There's, there must be much growth. Do you want to glorify God? There must be, must be much pruning. Look at the last verse there, verse eight. It simply just says that. By this, my father is glorified that you bear How much fruit? Much fruit. He's glorified by much fruit. Much fruit, much glory to God. Little fruit, little glory to God. No fruit, no glory to God. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And when you do that, you prove that you are his disciple. Pruning proves disciples are living for the glory of God. Now, I want want you to stop taking notes. If you're a note taker, stop it. I just want you to listen to the Holy Spirit for the last five minutes, okay? How do you respond to pruning? And I, I want you to open your ears to the voice of God right now, and let's identify the things that God wants to grow. Let's identify the things God wants to prove and let's identify the things God is using to prune me so that I can grow in the things that God wants to grow me in. How do you respond to pruning? First of all, give God complete access to every branch in your life. Think about the different categories of your life. I mean, you've you've got, you've got your financial life. You've got your social life. You've got your church life. You've got your family life. You've got your marriage life. All those different areas. Is there any particular branch that you have said to God, that is off limits. Don't touch that branch. You know, usually what needs to be cut off is not visible. It requires the vine dresser peeling back the most visible parts of the branch to get down underneath the surface. He has to push away and uncover and ultimately cut off things that we never saw coming. What kinds of things? Things you love. He'll cut off things that you think you need. Things that currently you are dependent upon. He'll cut off things that you saw previously were bearing fruit. Things that tempt you to worship them. He'll cut off things that distract you from God's word, things that entangle you, things that give you the illusion of productivity, things that cause you to lose focus, things that drain your energy, things that consume your time. He'll cut off things that limit your potential because he loves you. So what are those things? Have there been opportunities that have been cut off for you in 2020? Relationships? Has he cut off some of your influence? Has he cut away your freedoms? Has he cut away your idols, pleasures, information? I want to know every detail that every medical person on the planet knows about this virus. We don't have all the information because we don't know. And yet it's been cut off. Has he cut off your health? Have you gotten sick? Has he cut off your strength? Has he cut off your clarity of mind? Has he cut off educational opportunities? Has he cut off finances, possessions, abilities? God is pruning you. Will you give him access? Understanding that Lord, this hurts. It's ugly, and yet because I know you want my growth and your glory, you have access to all of it. Give up your right to control your branch. Pursue a life that is better and more fruitful than the life that you are currently living. Live a life dependent upon a life within that is supernatural and has a greater strength than you currently have? How do you respond? Trust God's tools and God's timing. What are God's tools that he's using right now in your life? They're usually things that you would avoid, things you hate, things that might seem demonic to you. God might use things that you would pray for him to remove. God might use things that seem unjust. God may use things that you can't control. Things like viruses, cancer, arthritis, back pain, injuries, physical or mental limitations, difficult assignments, difficult people. Unreasonable professors, unemployment, unjust treatment, jail, sinful actions of others, maybe the knife that God uses to prune you, opposing political parties, oppressive governments, rogue nations, parents, children. imperfect pastors and imperfect churches. How about God's timing? You never know how long it's going to be. You don't know if you're going to be in a season of pruning for a short time or a long time. I can guarantee you it's almost always longer than we wish it would be. Thirdly, look forward expectantly to the fruit coming in the future. This is what it means to live a life of faith, believing that God is good. God is in control. He holds the knife. He understands what he wants, and he's gonna get it. You know, early pruning, a young vine, a young branch, um, addresses the most obvious Entanglements, but later pruning deals with things that are much deeper. Things in my life, my values, my identity, and God wants to prune away certain attitudes in me that may never show up on the surface, but God will prune me even deeper. What things does God wanna grow in me? He wants to grow my love for Christ. Not just some religious exercise, not just some ceremonial, formal religion. He wants to grow my love for Him. He wants to grow my faith in Him. He wants to grow my obedience to Him. He wants to grow my holiness, my contentment, my joy, my peace, generosity. He wants to grow my patience. He wants to grow humility and character and wisdom. He wants to grow my ability to love my wife and my children. He wants to grow my skill in parenting. He wants to grow my leadership. He wants to grow my influence. He wants to grow my endurance. Can I ask you, have you given Jesus access to every branch on your tree? This is what I want you to do. I want you to stand with me, bow your heads, close your eyes for a moment. Remain here. Let your mind remain here. Dwell in the word picture that we've just heard. Jesus is the vine. Can I ask you, are you attached to him? Honestly, do you see fruit? Do you see growth? Do you see spiritual life that flows from spiritual birth that produces spiritual fruit? Unexplainable, apart from the attachment to Jesus Christ. Do you see that? If you do not see that, understand the warning. The branches that bear no fruit will be gathered together, thrown into the fire and burned. That doesn't have to happen for you. You need to come to Christ. You need to repent of sin. You need to come into union with Christ that can never be severed. You need to be forgiven. At the end of the service, there'll be pastors here at the front. All you have to do is to come to one of us and just simply say, I want to be in union with Christ. I'm coming to Christ. What do I do? We'd love to lead you in committing your life to Christ so that you can know for certain that you are in Christ. There's others of you. You think about those three other buckets up there. Some of you are like, man, I I saw a grape about five years ago. Um, There's there's one or two that gets squeezed out every, every couple of months, but man, I'm not growing. Have you resisted God's discipline? Have you resisted God's pruning? Open your heart up to him. Give him access. so many of you, I know this has been a painful season. We're tempted to grumble and to complain. We want to wrestle the knife out of God's hand. Would you just in a fresh way surrender your right to control the tools and the timing that God uses to prune you? Here's a big ask. Would you thank Him for the pain. Thank him for the pruning. Say, Trent, what do I thank him for? Well, number one, you can thank him. It proves you're his disciple. Thank you that you've included me in the vine. Thank you that you're committed to my growth. And God, I don't know how it's possible, but somehow you get glory Mm -hmm. out of me, out of my life when I bear fruit. Thank you, God, for including me. Father, we, all of us desire what you desire in our lives to, to see life just pulsating from us. We don't want to be in some kind of relationship where we're trying to grind it out. Lord, we just, we just, we're just a stick. We just want to be attached. We want to be like a straw. The, the life just flows from the vine to the fruit. It's all yours. It's all for you. And God, we thank you for the pain. We may not ever understand it until we're with you in heaven. But God, we don't have to go through this world doubting your goodness. We don't have to go through our lives doubting if there's a purpose for the pain. Bring us once again to the place of surrender, even to the place of praise where we would bless you like Job you've given, you've taken away. Blessed be your name. We pray in Jesus' name.